What's up, fellas? It is finally February. We are really, really excited. Our second annual summit uh, is coming up this month. RTP 20 is coming at you guys February 24th through 28th. We've got 10 uh, of the best coaches we could find across the country uh, to record uh, presentations for you guys from offense to defense. We've got uh, strength and conditioning and head coaches all talking um, on this year's RTP 20 Summit. Uh, You can watch it live for free. It starts every night at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, On the 24th through the 28th, we'll have two presentations live every night. You'll be able to chat with us or other coaches that are watching. Um, And again, all of that's free. Now, uh, if you're going to miss one of those or you want to rewatch them, uh, you can buy the all-access pass for them. If you're an RTP Premium member, you get that for only $50. So um, even if you're not a Premium member, I would say sign up for it for $12. Uh, then get the all-access pass, and then, hey, next month cancel the RTP Premium. Uh, but right now, if you're not a member, you can get it for $75. Uh, as soon as the summit starts, it'll go to 90 and then once it's over, again, that'll bump up to $105. But uh, if you guys want to watch it live, that's completely free. It'll be on runthepower.com, uh, and the live part will be on runthepower.com slash RTP20, but you'll be able to find that from our homepage as well. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Guardian Caps. Do you have linemen? Are their helmets getting scuffed up during inside run period? If so, there's a way to protect those shells and reduce the repetitive blows your guys are taking during the week. Guardian Caps reduces 20 to 33% of the impact, really focusing on those big guys in the trenches uh, like I coach. Uh, we, we use them actually here at Broken Arrow. Uh, also worn by Clemson, Texas, Oklahoma, Washington, Virginia, and 150 other colleges and over 1,500 high schools across the country, again, including uh, mine over here at Broken Arrow. They are currently running an early bird promo, 40 caps for only $2,000 plus 10 free. Check them out in our show notes or go to guardiansports.com slash football. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a 10-week off-season football training program with a two-day speed and agility program. This template even comes with videos from the top SEC strength coaches that will show you how to run your weight room. Visit their website and enter the code RTP to get the off-season football training template and start your 14-day free trial at teambuilder.com, which is team, B-U-I-L-D-R.com. On today's episode of RTP, we talk with Dom Guglielmo. Coach Guglielmo is the O-line coach and recruiting coordinator for Keystone College in Factoryville, Pennsylvania. Listen as we talk with Coach Guglielmo about recruiting, developing, and coaching an offensive line from scratch as a new college football program. You can follow Coach on Twitter at Coach underscore Guglielmo. Hope you guys enjoy. I'm Dominic Guglielmo. Um, I'm from upstate New York. Um, I played out in western New York. Uh, my first coaching job was actually up in Duluth, Minnesota. Um, and then I traveled to Tiffin, Ohio, where I was a graduate assistant. 
And then I was very fortunate to uh, get the offensive line coach job here at Keystone College in uh, La Plume, Pennsylvania. Coach, have you always been then an offensive line guy, or is there a couple of different spots you've uh, you've had to coach? You know, being a GA, I always thought it was kind of nice to to maybe step outside your comfort zone, or is that kind of something you know, old lines kind of always been in your blood, and that's what you played, and that's what you did. Um, I played old line. My first job was running backs and tight ends. Um, and towards the end of the season, I got in a little wide receiver, which was an interesting transition. Um, and then I was running backs pretty much exclusively over in uh, Heidelberg and Tiffin. And then um, during the spring, I got a little O-line action. They have a really great um, offensive coordinator, Jason Lewis, and um, heck of an O-line coach. And I learned a lot from him. And then like I said, very fortunate to uh, end up as the O-line coach here. So I kind of made it everywhere around the offense except for quarterbacks, which I'm not heartbroken about. So, Yeah, quarterbacks, you aren't missing anything there. Let me tell you, you talk about the, the prima donnas. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. But, uh, I mean, uh, is, is that something? I mean, you know, do you think that's, you know, having kind of a well-rounded, you know, background as far as being on the offensive side, you know, think, do you think that kind of helped you, you know, going back to – uh, being an offensive line coach, maybe, you know, you have a little bit better, you know, I don't want to say compassion, but maybe a little bit better understanding of, you know, some of the skill positions. I know I thought it, it helped me definitely, you know, especially once I became a coordinator at one point, but being able to understand all the intricacies of, of every single position, how all the puzzle pieces fit together, how has that kind of helped you, you know, going back now to the offensive line? I think it's, I think it was probably one of the best things that happened. And the reason I say that is even from a running back's perspective, I mean, from an O-line perspective playing, you just know that we're running inside zone and I've got a combo to this linebacker or I got a block down and the backside guard's pulling and understanding kind of how it all fits together is huge. Um, understanding what the reads of the running backs are. Um, even the time I spent with wide receivers and tight ends, understanding like screen paths and where the wide receivers are actually going and what they're looking for and kind of what makes them tick. And the temperament of running backs is huge um, because they're all different, but understanding kind of what makes them feel comfortable and and then finally coming to the O-line and coaching it, you've got the background of a player and then you've got now all of that knowledge of, okay, this is what makes the running back feel comfortable. This is what makes the wide receiver feel comfortable in the screen. Um, understanding how the RPOs really fit together on a bigger scheme than just reading a second-level defender or reading the backside end man on the line, you understand why. So, and I mean, when, because we're in a situation here, that was our first time on the field in 74 years or 72 years at Keystone. So with a full freshman offensive line at the college level, teaching them why they're doing things, why we need to block it this way. And I don't think I would have been able to really explain the why as well if I'd never traveled through all the skill positions to get there. So if you were talking to an offensive line coach uh, that's trying to learn more and, and trying to figure out the whole offense, what would that first position – and he's like, okay, I'm going to go um, work with another position. What, what first position would you tell him to go work with? I'd say tailback. Tailback. Um, just because it's – they're involved in both pass and run, whether it's protection or getting out in the pass game. Um, 
but their success really lies on us up front. Um, and we can make the holes as big as possible, but as the running back's got to hit them, and we kind of rely on that guy and the quarterback to make the right read and the right decision. But understanding how it looks from the back going forward, I think is huge. And understanding the, the combinations from a different light. So when you teach them, they're, you can put it in a way that makes more sense. When you're installing run game and you have the running backs in the room, you can explain it in a more well-rounded way instead of having to install it to the O-line and then install it to the running backs. So I think running backs, was coaching running backs for those two seasons was an awesome experience. So that's what I would recommend. So is that something that you guys try to do now with your offensive line is, is when you are installing, uh, bring in those running backs as well? Because that's something that not necessarily in installs, but even in some, sometimes in practice, uh, Coach Walls would have us do at Broken Arrow when I was here. He'd send the running backs in with us, uh, along with the running backs coach, but the running backs in with us and, and kind of hear us, um, you know, he thought it helped them as well kind of hear how we're blocking, what we're thinking when we're blocking it, and and kind of what we're looking to do um, as well. I think I think it's invaluable experience for both sides. Um, we did bring the running backs in a lot during camp, um, including the running backs coach. And I think it gave them a better understanding of where they fit in to the scheme in itself. To where I think if you install them by themselves, it starts to turn into I get the ball, I'm reading the first guy outside the center or whoever, and it becomes very choppy teaching-wise. But when you put the running backs in the room with us, they understand how everything works up front. It's kind of the same thing as coaching running backs before you coach O-line kind of a thing. It's them understanding how they fit into the whole picture why their aiming point's important, why their steps are important, because these are the offensive line steps and these are the offensive line's aiming point, and this is who they're doubling and this is who they're keying on. Um, I think that made our running back room really well-rounded. And then with the offensive line-wise, they could say, hey, coach, how can we bounce this one? Is it because the nose guard got too much penetration in the SIG? Yeah. And they understand the offense in the run game a lot more and especially when you go past protection wise it's who is the offensive line truly responsible for who's their their mickey or who are they looking to block in a five-man pro or six-man pro and how do i actually fit in as a running back into that why can't i chip when the lineman's engaged why is a lineman blocking the mic instead of the will type of a thing i think it just brings that football knowledge to a next level which helps them play more fluid yeah i always go ahead go ahead Harp. yeah i was gonna say it, it sounded like so um you had also mentioned that this is the first year i don't know if it was this year or, or the you know maybe two years ago but it sounded like this year uh was the first year that you guys had 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 football in, in a long time um is that is that what you were saying that this is the that what was it this 19 was the first season in a yeah, long 19, time? Yeah, so we had football way back over 70 years ago, and um, they announced football at Keystone in um, 2018. So that whole 2018 fall was basically building the program, recruiting the kids, and 19 was our first time really on the field. So 
I would assume you guys, you know, the majority or, or you guys get hired in, in the fall, like you said, of 18. So you've got this whole time to decide maybe what kind of kids you want, this, your offense. And, and I would assume even at that point, kind of come up with a four-year plan or, or maybe five-year plan of, of how you guys want to bring in kids. And, and since you only will, I guess, have freshmen come in, unless you were to have transfers, but a freshman group come in and then they need to get to have a freshman and a sophomore group come in. Um, with all that time to plan, is that something that you guys try to throw in your whole offense to those freshmen and and say, here you go? Or is it like, hey, our first year, we're going to just put it in this part of the offense, get good at it. That way, year two, we'll add this. Uh, how did that work with having a, a brand new group of kids? And that was the only group of kids. Um, Coach Smith, our offense coordinator, did, I think, a really nice job of the install. I think we got a majority of our offense installed, but it wasn't all during camp, which was nice. So we spent a lot of the time on our base runs, which is inside zone for us. So we spent a couple days just on those inside zone steps and the inside zone rules, and then we expanded to outside zone. And as the season progressed, understanding that this year, our sub-varsity year, was really about building that foundation and teaching these kids how to be college football players and be college student athletes and growing them within the football program. As we went through the season, we had, we added power and then we added counter and then we added the old redskin counter and then pen and pole and trap. So we kind of just, we did a really nice job planning it over that summer going into 19 of how each play that we installed throughout the season would grow on each other so we didn't overwhelm the kids right up front. Um, for offensive line, for us, it was – I spent a lot of time really trying to narrow it down, make it really simple with the rules and the calls and everything else. Um, so it was really easy for those guys to pick up the new plays as we installed them because they're like, oh, we're using the same combo calls and outside zone as inside zone. Or this is ba – counter is basically the same thing as power, just different responsibilities for the pullers. Um, so to really answer your question, we ended up installing a good amount, just not in that two week camp period that we usually would just try to get the whole offense in and then roll with it. Yeah, I mean, that would make sense. I, I, I would also think it, it's kind of now the more I think about it, I mean, you, you bring in that group and for camp and that's the first time you see any of your team. So at, at least if you're coming back and you've got a few starters, you can at least get the practice started. You plug in a few people and you maybe switch around some positions, but you've got a pretty good idea of, of where you, you've got holes and where you don't. For you guys, I guess, starting camp, I mean, you've got maybe an idea off of who you're recruiting, how they might do, but you've got no idea maybe where your holes are going to be or, or even how this whole thing is going to flow through. Do you have a leader that, that is probably needed on a team because they're all coming in right now? Yeah, and that was one thing, and I give these guys a lot of credit, um, because starting a program isn't easy from anything, and it really stemmed from the head coach's vision, uh, building the program what we feel is the right way, and our thing is one day, one brick, and we lay a brick and a foundation of our program every day and give the kids the opportunities to be leaders as freshmen, whether it's that leadership council type thing or them being involved in class checks to really develop that leadership because in 2020, those guys are the leaders. They're going to be the sophomores, but without the juniors and the seniors. 
um, and understanding where and helping them understand where they kind of fit on a college football team. Because, you know, not everybody can be the outspoken leader, but some kid's just a grinder in the weight room and goes out there and says nothing during practice and works the butt off and is a leader that way. So I think we did a really nice job in developing that um, through the head coach's vision the entire season. So you've got new kids, obviously, all freshmen. Uh, you've got, like you said, you got to develop leaders, but day one, you've got a bunch of offensive linemen in there. They've got no one to bring them along other than you. I mean, you go to any other college or most colleges, um, you know, they look up to some of the seniors or maybe not all the way to seniors, but there's a few sophomores that'll help them out. They can ask questions. Um, they've already been through it, know what to expect. Your guys have no idea what to expect. You really have no idea what to expect from them, but you know you've got to get them ready to go right now, at the very least five of them ready to play. What are some of those first things that you're working on? I know you kind of said uh, steps and, and different things like that, but your first week or two, what are you trying to get in? How much of it is scheme? And I'm sure it's, there's got to be some amount because you go to the right people, but then how much of it is some of those uh, basic technique things and, and what were the major technique things you, you wanted to get in. I, I'm really just curious because um, I love when guys are put in tough situations or really short timelines because um, I think that with those short timelines, they end up finding, hey, this – and you guys had a year to prepare for it. This is by far the most important thing that we need. And this one thing will, will – um, if we get good at it, it'll make us – it'll have the best net positive we can possibly have. So let that be the first thing. What were some of your first things that you, you had to nail down with the offensive line specifically? Um, offensive line was the first thing that came to my mind when I took the job and talking to guys and even talking to guys that have been in my boat is the culture. Um, because I feel in an offensive line room and an offensive line group, if you don't have a good culture, you're not going to have a good offensive line. And so we went with the, we're going to be the dogs because dogs are protectors and they're agile and they're vicious and they're protectors, but they're also caring and responsible and da 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 da. Um, but building that gritty from day one, that gritty culture where we're going to go out there with our lunch pail. It doesn't matter what's happening around us. Let the bullets fly. We're going to go out there and be fundamentally sound. Um, and I think starting with really hammering that culture from the first meeting at camp and even through the recruiting process a little bit was huge for us because now they're excited to see who's the dog of the week. They're excited to see their practice grades. They're excited to see their game grades and it pushes them to nail the technique down a little bit more now the first thing i did um naturally with anything is your stance i mean i i know some guys are comfortable out of a three point or a two point my big thing with them was where your weight's being distributed um, and them understand and them understanding why the weight needs to be distributed where it is the inside of the feet, um, athletic base, big chest, whether your hands in the dirt or not. Um, and having them take pride in their stance, I think it was Coach Stroh that said that your stance is like a holster. Everybody has a different preference, but understanding that the holster still has one thing in common is that it holds a gun. And for our guys, it was, I want the weight being distributed in your feet a certain way 
because of this. And then the next thing we really did was, and the head coach, we took the first practice, and all we did was the base fundamentals. We didn't even saw play. So all we did in that first practice of camp was steps. They didn't know what the steps were for. They didn't know what the play was going to be called that first day. It was installing the steps and making it a point of emphasis that we're going to brace pop, we're going to jab pop, we're going to angle pop. The hand placement, we do the hook method where your hands are nice and tight and lifting and leveraging with your hips and understanding that that's how you get that nice torque as you lift and as you drive your hips and as you pump and in the re-dip. I think from the stance to going right into the basic zone steps and them understanding what the zone steps are for and when to use them before we even install the play was huge because then when we came back that night and installed inside zone, they're like, oh, when I have a two-man combo to the Mike linebacker, I'm going to take this step, and he's going to take this step, and we're both going to sink our hands in and a hook fit, drive, and then come off because we went over all of that technique stuff, and they weren't bogged down with trying to figure out, okay, the inside zone is this, this, this. They're only concerned with one thing at a time. It was their stance. It was their weight distribution. It was their first step. It was sinking their second step. It was the angle of their step and the angle of their foot and their chest being high. It's all those little things that we kind of just compiled, which kind of went into how we installed. Start small and then grow off from there. Um, so from the culture to the stance, having everybody comfortable in their holster to understanding the steps and the angles that we need, those things were instrumental in the success of the group. And I think doing it that way, setting a precedence, first step or stance, first step, second step, and then installing the play after, instead of saying inside zone, we're taking these steps, really kept them more focused on the fundamental of the play other than memorizing the play and then just running from there. Is that something you think you can make work again next year um, with your whole group? Or since half of them already know what it is, you won't be able to do it that way? Have you thought, have you thought of how you're going to implement that? Because like you said, it sounds like um, it worked extremely well with your group. But now maybe some of the, the um, those, all those freshmen that are now sophomore uh, probably already do know the plays or know the reason why they're taking these steps. Where the freshmen – you know, maybe won't. So is that something you, you might try to just tell the whole group, hey, forget it and let's go through the steps? Is it something you might work with just your freshmen over your sophomores and then it still work the same things, but the sophomores will know what it is? Have you given much thought to how you might do that this year? I think um, I liked how we did it. And I think that's something that I'd like to do if I had the ability to do while I coach the offensive line in my career. And because you, everybody knows that, I mean, you come back from the summer and really you're lifting, you're being a meathead, you're hanging out with your mom and your girlfriend or whatever. And those steps, as much as you try to do them over the summer in your stance, it's never going to be as good as you do on the field. And when you get to camp, it's never going to be at the expectation of your own line coach of your fellow alignment and it's never going to be that perfect 
stance, that perfect start to the play. Um, so as boring as it might be for the older guys, it just reinst- like reinstates that knowledge and helps them come along even further. But it also gives the older guys a teaching mechanism or allows the older guys to kind of teach a little. So as we do the stance, I can have the older guys get in their stance first. The younger guys see it, have them stand, and then have the new group of offensive linemen get in their stance and actually get the guys kind of watching me do coach the guys and maybe get them involved in actually teaching the guys kind of how we do the stance here at Keystone College. And I think them being able to teach and understand that this is why we do the things that we do and them teaching the guys, hey, dude, the first step has got to be quick and you bring that second step, boom, and fire your hands in. And giving them that responsibility to kind of bring the freshmen along could be instrumental in and continuing to build that culture in a year two and three and four and five and year 10 and 11 down the road. Um, again, off, everybody who played offensive line knows ND gets boring because you do the steps every day. But when you're in a routine and you take that stuff seriously from the beginning, then it becomes second nature when you're playing. It's like making your bed. When you're younger, everybody hates making your bed. Everybody hates it. But when you're older, you appreciate coming home and having that bed made. And it's the same thing. We don't, it's boring. We've already heard the coach G spiel about how getting at a good sense, like making your bed every morning. But guess what? We want to make that, we want to help our freshmen and help each other be in the best stance we can so we can start each play in a perfect stance or we can sink our first step and bring that second step with power and have them kind of take pride in the learning process and bringing along everybody else. So I'd like to keep that rolling for a while. I don't think that splitting up between older and younger really does the older guys as much justice. I think it just creates a separation within the group. I think getting them involved in teaching everybody and catching everybody up quote is instrumental to it. Coach, how important is that? You know, now I guess I, I had a couple of questions, you know, looking at, you know, starting a new program. One, what was, what was the recruiting process like kind of that first year, you know, bringing in your, your first crew or your first crop of guys. Uh, and then also kind of, you know, what's the schedule look like for you guys when you're, when you're just starting out, I, I assume that, you know, they, they probably try to ease you in a little bit knowing that you guys are going to be, you know, mainly freshman laden uh, program. And I guess kind of that third layer is, you know, now, now that you have a crew of guys, how does the recruiting process kind of move forward? How much, you know, credence do you put on, you know, how good of a fit guys are with the guys that are currently on the team and how much do you use a lot of those, those guys who kind of did start the program and, and get them involved in that recruiting process? Um, so the first point really recruiting the first class and, um, I give Coach Higgins, our head football coach, a ton of credit. Um, he stayed – he stuck to his guns through the entire recruiting process, process and said, look, I want to bring in the right guy, the guy that's going to understand that building this program is not going to be a home run ball kind of a thing. It's going to be that small ball, class by class, brick by brick, building this thing from the ground up. So when we're recruiting that first class, a lot of our a lot of our research really went into what's the kid like. I mean, can he lead? 
he take instruction? Can he play football at a high level? Um, but more importantly, is he the kind of kid that we want to lay the foundation and the attitude and change the dynamic of a school that's been around for 150 years in one day reporting for camp on August 12th? So we spent a lot of that 2018 fall into the 2019 winter really going out on the road, talking to coaches, um, sitting down with the head coach and talking about each kid, talking to each kid through the process, making the athlete fill out the questionnaire and seeing how he fills out the questionnaire and studying the little things that he does to see if he's going to be a fit. Because, you know, when if you ask the kid, if you ask the athlete, hey, can you fill out the questionnaire for me? And he doesn't, or you have to ask him 18 times. When you look back, you're like, is that the kind of kid that's going to build this thing the right way? Or when we invite him on a visit and we have to fill out the visit form so we can keep, we can log all the information and get the parent information, da 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 da, if he actually does it. So we spent a lot of the time kind of, I don't want to say playing the mental game, but really learning about who we're recruiting beyond can they block a three tech or can they throw a touchdown or can they catch? It was, what kind of guy are they, you know? And as we transition to class number two, we have a ton of the guys that we recruited still in the program, and they're excited to be back. You see them on Twitter and doing whatever with the countdown. Can't wait to get back to Keystone. Can't wait to grind in the new weight room, da 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 So when we bring these new guys in, we have some of our players sit with them at lunch. And that's like their kind of time to sit down with the players and or sit down with the prospects and see, are they going to fit the mold of everything that programmatically we're trying to build? And the way I describe it to them is, you came to Keystone. We did not have a team before you. When we recruited, we had a helmet, a couple coaches, and all of our stuff was under construction. And for us, the head coach says all the time, construction is awesome to see because that means we're growing. But they sacrifice going to the bigger D3 schools and with the big stadiums and the fancy weight rooms for the opportunity to make history. So for them being involved in the recruiting process where they eat lunch with the guys and they have a player panel without the coaches in them and they can see what kind of guys they're really – we are bringing in to expand on their success as a program – it's huge. It's instrumental. And the feedback that we get from our guys from eating lunch with the guys in the player panel is awesome because there's some guys that they just love. Oh, that coach, that kid was awesome. Da, 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 da. And they're like, oh, he asked this question, this question, this question, but it's also the flip side. Coach, I don't know if he's going to fit our core, which is our like, character thing. I don't know. Da, 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 da. So, them understanding what they've given up when they sacrifice throughout the entire season as the school builds everything and structures are going up around us and the school's rallying and we're rallying the other sports and all that kind of stuff and building a community and building ourselves into the community, them knowing what kind of guy we're bringing in is huge. And them having the ownership of saying, I remember eating lunch with that kid when they get here. And it kind of breaks down that barrier even more where we don't have a ton of guys on the team. We're not, we don't have 140 guys. So all these guys are getting involved when the freshmen do get here in August. It's, hey, 
remember that time we ate lunch together and we're joking around, we're making fun of Coach G and how he throws his hat on the ground or when Coach Murray goes, come on, guys, or, you know, that kind of stuff. And it kind of builds that camaraderie along with they get to see the kind of guys that we're bringing in or we want to bring in to build on their success. Yeah, I would assume, like you said, that's got to be a uh, a really cool part of it. I'm sure it's very challenging in, in some ways, but um, there's some really cool special things that you can do with having such a tight-knit group. Um, and, you know, if that is where you get to start and, and you get to stay there for a while, I mean, you're close-knit with that freshman group because that's all you have. And then since you're already close with them, you get to spend a lot of time on that next group that comes in and, and you get to really get to know them. And so um, as a coach or as a person, uh, you get to develop, uh, it seems like probably a lot tighter of a relationship with those kids than you would if, if you were at a, a school and you come into a, uh, a different school and, and you've got to learn, you know, the, the three or four classes that are already there. And then you got to learn the kids that are coming in too. And then uh, you're trying to, you know, learn about and meet all these however many kids that are already in your group plus the new ones um, and coach them and be really good football coach and keep your job. That just seems like um, you, it'd be a lot tougher to, to get that close bond with your players. Yeah. And that's a great point. It's seeing, being at a newer program, my first stop at San Scholastica to a historic program at Heidelberg to now being on the ground floor of a program, being able to build that relationship, from the ground floor up has been probably the best experience out of everything that's happened in the last year and a half since I've been here. It's the kids enjoy, like you don't have to work for the kids to enjoy being around you kind of a thing, if that makes any sense. It's you enjoy the guys because those are your guys and not that it's different anywhere else, but you have a different kind of connection with the program with the kids here than you would at an established program because they're all you we're all we have we're the keystone college football family and we're all working together to make this thing and lay the foundation of a program that we want that's going to sustain hopefully forever and that relationship building aspect of the entire process has been amazing and just seeing and you get to see the kids grow a different way and how they came in when their first day and nobody said anything one of my guys um, from New York, near where I played in high school in New York, he must have said zero words the entire recruiting process. Um, kept to himself, but then getting to see him grow into the guy who's joking around and telling jokes in the pregame joke circle and just watching him grow into himself throughout the entire year as a freshman, that's just something that when you only have one group, you can put more time into doing. And now, as you said, as you build, these are your guys. These are the guys that you brought into your program, and you can keep doing that and sustain that close knit where you don't want to let your boys down, but they don't want to let the coaches down. And working together and building that blue collar relationship, that's, I can say, and I say it all the time, that's the best part about this job is building the relationship with the guys. Coach, what's something you know that, that Keystone College kind of, you know, hangs its hat on, you know, maybe academically or, you know, what's kind of it, its niche and what's something maybe you guys kind of do? I know you're the, the recruiting coordinator as well there. You know, what are some things that you kind of try to sell about the school and about the, the degree programs or, or things like that that kind of fit the, 
you know, the, the profile of what you guys are looking for, you know, with building this football program? Um, I think our school's got good academics, a high placement rate, um, all that awesome stuff academically. Um, we've got a strong criminal justice program, a strong business program, the sciences. Um, we got something for everybody. But what we really sell is that community atmosphere where when we go to the cafeteria, the woman that works at the pasta counter name is D. She knows all of our kids' names and where they went to high school. And you can see the school president retweeting all of the kids' tweets about being excited about something and the sports team's doing well. And you see her at the games. And when we traveled this year, she was at some of our games too. And you can see the front office people. And the big thing that we can sell is when you come to Keystone, you're basically, you're coming home to people who actually care about your development. And we're a small school. We're about 1,400 kids. You have an 11 to 1 student to faculty ratio. You're going to know your professors and all that kind of stuff. Um, and that's what's awesome when you're building a program in a school that's been around for 151 years now that pride itself on that community atmosphere and people from the town knowing all the coaches and all of us getting our car serviced at one stop. I think the biggest thing that we can sell is on top of our academics is you have that atmosphere where you're home. And I describe it to some of the kids that I recruit as you have two kinds of friend's house. You have the friend's house where you go in, you take your shoes off and you sit really tight on the couch and you kind of don't know what to do with your hands type of a thing. Or you go to your friend's house and you kick your shoes off and you go in the fridge and you, you take a soda out and you kick back and throw your feet on the coffee table and watch the game with your friend's dad and you just hang out. And that's kind of the atmosphere that we have. Kids come to school and they feel comfortable. The cafeteria knows their name. The front office people know their name. The student services, their professors, actively involved with our kids, whether they're emailing Coach Higgins about all the great things that they do or they're letting us know, hey, he needs extra help in math. We should help him sign up for a tutor, this or that, or the other thing. That's kind of what makes Keystone special. It's beyond the academics. It's beyond the athletics. It's the family atmosphere. So when we sell that to kids and we mold that into our recruiting process with a football team, look, we're a football family. We're going to sit with you at study hall if you need it. Our doors to our offices are always open. If you're a dual sport athlete, we're going to go to your lacrosse game. We're going to go to your baseball game. We're going to go to your wrestling match because we care about the development of you. And we're going to know if you come out of high school and you struggle with reading and basically the ELA so we can get you writing help when you get here so you're successful off the bat. And that is really the big thing about us is – you know, parents know when they leave our visits that if their son chooses to go to Keystone College, he's going to be a part of a family from the bottom to the top, from football to athletics to the Keystone College campus as a whole. And I think that's what we really hang our hat on as a school. And Believe, Belong, Become is the school's kind of motto. And it's, it fits because kids believe in themselves. They feel that they belong at Keystone and they become who they want to become. And we've taken that into the football program. And Coach Higgins has done an awesome job with 
kind of bringing that family environment in and all the coaches really and making the kids feel at home when they're here because it's hard when you're 18 years old and some of these guys have never even we have guys from Maryland who probably never even left Maryland and they come to Lapoon, Pennsylvania which is 12 miles north of Scranton to a Woodlands campus and they're like whoa is that a deer walking across the street <laughs> but they know that they're cared about they know that they can go to the freshman coordinator Courtney and talk about their issues they know that they can go in whether it's your position coach or not and actually talk to you like a man and work out issues and not be afraid that you're going to judge them and that's kind of how we're able to get and how we're able to get such great kids and add into the already great culture that our school has is because of that well coach I'm also kind of curious with the recruiting uh, that you had talked about because it, it, at least as high school coaches, um, we always say, oh, these college guys, they get to recruit uh, for their scheme. And, and um, you know, so they're going to find guys if they're whatever, if they're a wide zone team, they're going to recruit linemen that are good at wide zone type kids. And they're going to find tailbacks that are, are more suited for the wide zone and, and all of this, or they're going to, you know, whatever their, whatever their scheme is, they get to recruit towards that. You guys, obviously with, with, Maybe um, how – I know you, you picked uh, and recruited guys based off of a lot of who they were as people as well. Um, but as far as recruiting towards a certain um, style of, of offense or, or how – you know, whatever, did you guys look at that at all? Or did you guys look at, hey, let's find the best people that are the best football players and then throughout the year find out kind of towards the middle of the year, okay, this is the form that our offense needs to take her. These are going to be our better plays because these are the people that uh, are playing for us right now. I think it was really second option. And I, and I believe that. And because look, you're right. When we look at guys, especially established programs we're looking for, if you're looking, if you run the power and that's your base play, you're going to look for those big road graders or, if you're pulling a lot, you want a specific offensive lineman, or if you're a zone scheme, um, a double wing tailback's not always going to fit. For us, when as a, like programmatically from the head coach down, we want to recruit the right guys that can also play football. So, and of course, we had the offensive scheme kind of in our head, but Coach Smith did a really nice job of player, players, personnel, formations, plays. And if we had three great tailbacks, we'd run 30. If we had a great tailback and two great tight ends, and that fit our scheme, we'd run 12. But we really wanted to run any play at any formation. So the guys that we got, yes, we got off, we got great football players and great athletes that are able to do a ton of different things for us. But it was really kind of find out the guys that we have that fit the mold of building this program the right way, what can we do to make them successful on the field? And we were very fortunate that we got, we've got guys with wide range of skill sets. So we were able to run our whole offensive menu because of that. Now we've got linemen that have never passed block before, which I'm going to be honest with you is one of my favorite things because then you can teach them how to pass teach them how to pass pro the right way or your way I don't say the right way 
Um, we've got tail, we have a tailbacks that work in a zone system and they kind of fit in really right away. But then we put in the gap scheme stuff and we had a different tailback that could fit the gap schemes type of thing. Um, the basis of our recruiting was really on character. Those guys that are going to retainable, sustainable guys that are going to help us build this thing. And it's our duty as coaches to take what we have in our mind play-wise and put these guys in the personnel package, the formation and the play to make them successful. And one of my favorite plays is like a lot of like pin and pulling power. And towards the end of the year, that was probably gap scheme was our best thing because we had really road grader type guards and one athletic guard that could really pull around and stick on that inside of the linebacker and go. And it was awesome. Um, so the philosophy of recruiting the right guys on the combination of being academically strong to high character, to being a good football player really worked out for us in year one. And now we go into year two, we're really looking for the guys like you alluded to earlier that are, we need a couple more offensive line. We need this, we need that. And we're getting the guys that kind of fit in with those position groups and fit in with the ideas of the programs. And then of course, fit into the schemes and starting a program. And I, I keep saying it a thousand times, I give coach Higgs a ton of credit um, because his vision from the beginning, from when he first hired me in June, 2018 was we're going to build this in the right way with the right people. And if we lay the bricks the right way in the beginning, everything else will fall into place. And it's really starting to. And we've got a long way to go, but we're, we've got the right group of guys and coaches. Coach, you look at schemes, you know, like the, the pin pull. And if you're running some gap stuff, uh, you know, the, the tight end position becomes very, very important. You know, a lot of teams, I think, you know, have either gotten away from the tight end or, you know, they've gone to more of an H-back or, heck, you know, a lot of teams have said, screw it all together and gone, you know, air raid style where they go 10 personnel. Um, but if you're going to be that, that kind of a, of a squad, you know, you could talk a little bit about, you know, having, having to have that, that kind of tight end and, and maybe trying to find some of those kids, especially on the recruiting trail, because I think it's, you know, to be quite honestly, probably an, an underappreciated uh, position. I completely agree. Tight ends or first are like unicorns. Um, we're very fortunate to have a couple of unicorns, but um, for us, our tight ends are they're they're very big for us. And uh, having the guys understand that the tight end in our type of offense is going to do multiple things is huge because you see a lot of the DN tight ends, but when they were tight end in high school, all they were doing was blocking down, so they want to play DN even though they play tight end or undersized offensive linemen are playing tight end and moving down and explain to them that in our offense, you're going to be able to do a lot of things. So finding those guys that want to stick with tight end is sometimes, I'll say difficult, but we have a guy right now, one of our tight ends, who played, he was an undersized center at a small high school. It's a great blocking tight end. Great. And then we have more of a, a smaller body tight ends who's got great hands and runs really good routes so you can get involved in that so understanding that when you're recruiting these tight ends you're trying to develop them and you have to see the potential beyond the high school film I think and the potential beyond the role that they played in high school because we want our tight end to put their hand in the dirt sometimes and like you said 
if we're running power and you've got to block down on that D end because that tackle is going to give you a hand help and he's going to move to that linebacker, like we needed a tight end with a little lead in his pencil to crash down. And But if we're in a spread package where we're going 50 pro and we have an attached tight end, he's going to get involved in the pass game, then we need a tight end to do that. So we've done a really nice job with recruiting last year. Again, the right kids, but kind of different tight ends that kind of fit different molds, but that can do both so you don't show a tendency type of a thing. But tight ends for us were huge, and I I love them. They're awesome. Kind of like the old line stepbrother. That's exactly right. He, well, you see all the freaky ones that uh, Walls just talked about it yesterday when we were talking. And um, look at all the freaks. Uh, it's almost like every team uh, left in the playoffs in the NFL has some type of a freaky tight end. Um, and I'm sure he didn't start it, but the first one that I started hearing about um, was was Gronk, which was the huge matchup problem. You know, and then he's, I would think, all-around guy. And, and there's some all-around guys. But then there's also some guys, like you said, that are – great at, at point of attack and there's some guys that are mismatches against linebackers or mismatches against corners and how do you cover those guys and so uh it, it's been a, a huge part in our game uh, especially the last 10-15 years uh for sure I think it's a lot of you, you have to be dedicated to that position and understand yeah. that each tight end you bring in has a different skill set and not just trying to throw them into a mold understanding that you can use a different guy a different way sometimes yeah I, I like I like what you're saying too about you know the the recruiting pro being being a coach you have to be kind of creative I think in 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 recruiting those kids you know maybe it's it's a bigger I've seen big quarterbacks you know go play tight end because you know they're they're smart and they can understand angles and they can understand the passing game you know you You've seen maybe an undersized defensive end, like you said. Hey, I'm third third string defensive end. Can I play tight end? You know, or I'm a I'm a bigger receiver. Coach doesn't like me because maybe I can't. You know, I'm not fast enough to get off press and stretch the field. Well, okay, go eat a few more cheeseburgers, and now you're 235, and you can block some people for us. So I think, you know, having like you'd said it that those those standards or parameters to begin with. Does the kid love football? Boom, awesome. He meets kind of that level. He fits in with us now you know, seeing some of those traits and being able to kind of, you know, project it and, and push it forward. And now those kids feel wanted a little bit. I just think that, that to me, the, the tight end position is, is so much fun to, to recruit. I mean, you know, heck, you know, maybe you find a guy who's playing, you know, at the end of the bench on the Keystone basketball team. And all of a sudden you're like, Hey man, come out and let's catch six, seven touchdowns. So <laughs> to me, it's always been kind of one of those fun, fun type deals especially you know as a, as a high school coach finding those kids those little diamonds in the rough but also then as a college coach I, I loved recruiting those type of of kids because such a wide variety of of possibilities yeah and if you find the right and it all comes down to the you find the right guy like is he is he gonna embrace that look i'm the wide receiver stepbrother i'm the o-line stepbrother and I'm just going to go out there and do my thing and do my job and enjoy it. And those guys, again, they're unicorns. We love them. Well, Coach, uh, you know, kind of rolling up on an hour, but but the thing that we always – or I always like to ask guys is uh, when you're watching another team's offensive line, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Um, I think a lot of it is the one thing – for me, would be their composure throughout the game. Um, staying level-headed, 
when the bolts are flying and they're just going out there and they're going 100% every play, whether they're up by 49 or down by 49, whether it's a tied game or a blowout, they're out there doing their job the same way every play and communicating at a high level and just showing that level-headed, cohesive unit. Um, like I said earlier, the culture with me is huge. I think if you really see that in an offensive line where whether you throw a pick, they chase it down, they go back, they sit down, they get talked to by the O-line coach, they get back up, cheer on, and get it back out there and do their job. And those mentally strong offensive line units, you can just you just know that the culture that their O-line coach has in their room is awesome. Coach Ben, love it. We uh, we appreciate you coming on, and uh, you know you, you got a, a couple of new fans here with the uh, the podcast, and we'll be following uh, Keystone College football. And we hope you guys uh, can get it rolling, man. I think it's always cool. You know, you, you hear the horror stories about places getting rid of football. It's it's good to see that there are places out there that that see the value in football and uh, and keep wanting to to kind of add that back to their school. So best of luck to you, man. Appreciate you coming on. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.